It's about 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, January 2nd, 2021. Georgia's Secretary of State Brad Raffensperger and his wife Tricia are at home, sitting at their kitchen counter. For weeks, Raffensperger had endured withering criticism from fellow Republicans, including the President of the United States, for standing behind Georgia's 2020 election results. The final tally after almost 5 million votes were cast, Joe Biden defeated President Donald Trump by 11,779 votes, or by a minuscule 0.23%. It marked the first time Georgia had swung Democratic in a presidential election since 1992. Earlier that morning, in an interview on Fox News, Raffensperger said he wasn't backing down. And people can't handle the truth sometimes because they're very disappointed in the results. And I get that. I voted for President Trump also. But at the end of the day, we did everything that we could. We did an audit of the race. President Trump still lost. Then we did a full recount. President Trump still lost. And so we have a safe, secure process. People have to realize that you need to get out and vote. And that's how you win elections. President Trump was watching, and he didn't like what he was seeing. His chief of staff, Mark Meadows, soon called the Secretary of State's office and set up a phone call from the White House. Raffensperger took the call from his home north of Atlanta. What transpired over the hour-long conversation is now under investigation by a special-purpose grand jury. We don't know how this will play out, but it's possible the grand jury's work could lead to an indictment, meaning a former president could be facing criminal charges. Welcome to Breakdown, the podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that covers Georgia's most important cases. I'm AJC's legal affairs reporter, Bill Rankin. This season, I'm joined by Tamar Hallerman. She covered the Trump administration when she was the AJC's Washington correspondent. In this season, we're covering a special grand jury that will decide whether former President Donald Trump and his allies should face criminal charges. This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. No U.S. president has ever been charged with a crime. But in February, Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis sent state officials a letter listing half a dozen laws the president and his allies may have broken. Those laws include solicitation of election fraud, giving false statements, conspiracy, racketeering, violation of oath of office, and making threats related to the administration of the state's elections. Willis's letter to Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, Raffensperger, and others put them on notice to preserve any evidence that could be relevant to the investigation. And she reminds them that it is a crime under Georgia law to destroy such records. In this season of Breakdown, we're not here to debate the outcome of the 2020 presidential election. You've already made up your mind about that. We are simply going to lay out what we know so far. For the record, votes were first counted beginning on Election Day, 
Then there was a hand recount of all the ballots, and then there was a machine recount. President Biden won each time. The recounts still haven't been enough to convince many, many Georgia Republicans that Biden won. In an AJC poll in January, 74% of registered Republican voters said they believed there was widespread voter fraud in 2020. And Republican candidates have capitalized on that skepticism. These were the first words out of former U.S. Senator David Perdue's mouth at a gubernatorial debate in April. First off, folks, let me be very clear tonight. The election in 2020 was rigged and stolen. All the madness we see from the Biden administration, two million illegals, rising gas prices, unbelievable inflation, the brink of war. All that started right here in Georgia when our governor caved and allowed radical Democrats to steal our election. In Fulton County, we have an ongoing special purpose grand jury. It's an extraordinarily rare proceeding with 23 grand jurors and three alternates. It cannot issue indictments, but it can and is investigating. It has already heard testimony from Raffensperger and other current and former officials at the Secretary of State's office. We'll explain how the special grand jury works. We'll look at what happened in the weeks following the election and the repeated attempts to change the outcome. We'll talk to key players. We'll look at the criminal statutes that come into play and what it takes to prove them in a court of law. In the weeks leading up to the January 2nd phone call, a divided nation had become even more polarized. Trump and his legions of supporters continued to claim the election had been stolen. The anger and vitriol would ultimately erupt into a violent riot four days later at the U.S. Capitol as Congress assembled to count electoral votes. Leading up to the phone call, Trump strongly criticized anyone who stood behind the election results. On November 17th, Chris Krebs, the director of the Federal Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, sent out a tweet. He said allegations that election systems had been manipulated were either unsubstantiated or technically incoherent. Hours later, Trump sent out a tweet of his own, saying Krebs had been fired. The president also went after Raffensperger during a press conference on Thanksgiving Day. But I understand the Secretary of State, who is really, uh, he's an enemy of the people. The Secretary of State, and whether he's Republican or not. Five days later, Georgia elections official Gabriel Sterling held a press conference at the state capitol. He was livid. It has all gone too far. All of it. Joe DeGeneva today asked for Chris Krebs, a patriot who ran CISA, to be shot. A 20-something tech in Gwinnett County today has death threats and a noose put out saying he should be hung for treason because he was transferring a report on batches from an EMS to a county computer so he could read it. It has to stop. Sterling then spoke directly to President Trump and Georgia's two senators, David Perdue and Kelly Leffler. A month earlier, the two had called for Raffensperger to resign without offering evidence that he'd done anything wrong. Mr. President, you have not condemned these actions or this language. Senators, you have not condemned this language or these actions. This has to stop. We need you to step up And if you're going to take a position of leadership, show some. Sterling says caravans of cars were driving in front of Raffensperger's home. 
The secretary's wife was getting threats of a sexual nature on her phone. People were coming onto their property. I can't begin to explain the level of anger I have right now over this. And every American, every Georgian, Republican and Democrat alike should have that same level of anger. Mr. President, it looks like you likely lost the state of Georgia. We're investigating. There's always a possibility. I get it. And you have the rights to go through the courts. What you don't have the ability to do, and you need to step up and say this, is stop inspiring people to commit potential acts of violence. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to get shot. Someone's going to get killed. And it's not right. It's time to look forward. If you want to run for your election in four years, fine. Do it. But everything we're seeing right now, there's not a path. Be the bigger man here and stop. Step in. Tell your supporters, don't be violent. Don't intimidate. All that's wrong. It's un-American. In a statement, the Trump campaign condemned any acts of violence. But the president would keep up his attacks on top GOP officials in Georgia. On December 29th, he tweeted that Governor Brian Kemp and Secretary Raffensperger, quote, are a complete disaster and don't have a clue, or worse. Nobody can be this stupid. Just allow us to find the crime and turn the state Republican. Four days later, it's January 2nd. The phone call lasts just over an hour. It begins with Chief of Staff Mark Meadows setting the stage for the call. Mr. President, everybody is on the line. And just so this is Mark Meadows, the Chief of Staff, just so we all are aware, um, uh, on the line is Secretary of State uh, and uh, two other individuals. That would be Jordan Fuchs, the Deputy Secretary of State, and Ryan Germany, the office's general counsel. Also on the line are attorneys representing the president, including Cleta Mitchell, the conservative Washington lawyer who tried to help the president overturn the election. Okay, thank you very much. Hello, Brad and Ryan and everybody. We appreciate the time and the call. Um, so we've spent a lot of time on this. And uh, if we could just go over some of the numbers, I think it's pretty clear that we won. We won very substantially, uh, Georgia. Uh, you even see it by rally size, frankly. We'd be getting 25,000, 30,000 people a rally, and uh, the competition would get less than 100 people, and it never made sense. Trump talks uninterrupted for the next 12 minutes. He has a laundry list of complaints that includes some very specific numbers. We have at least two or three, anywhere from 250 to 300,000 ballots were dropped mysteriously into the rolls. Much of that had to do with uh, Fulton County, uh, which hasn't been checked. Another tremendous number, we're going to have an ac accurate number over the next two days with certified accountants, uh, but an accurate number uh, will be given, but it's, it's uh, in the 50s of thousands, uh, and that's people that went to vote, and they were told they can't vote because they've already been voted for, uh, and uh, it's a very sad thing. We had... Um, I believe it's about uh, 4,502 voters who voted, uh, but who weren't on the voter registration list. You had out-of-state voters. Uh, they voted in uh, Georgia, but they were from out-of-state of 4,925. That's just in the first five minutes. Trump also says at least 5,000 dead people had voted. He says his people had found their obituaries. The president also attacks a Fulton County poll worker, 
calling her out by name. She's a vote scammer, a professional vote scammer and hustler. We're not going to repeat her name. After it became public, the 62-year-old grandmother had to flee her home because of threats, some of them racist. She was one of the election workers who was said to have appeared in videos with suitcases filled with illegal ballots that were being counted at State Farm Arena in Atlanta. They weren't in an official uh, voter box. They were in what looked to be uh, uh, suitcases or trunks, uh, suitcases, but they weren't in, uh, in voter boxes. Uh, the minimum number it could be, because we watched it and they they watched it certified uh, in slow motion, instant replay, if you can believe it, but they had slow motion and it was magnified many times over. And the minimum it was was 18,000 ballots, all for Biden. The suitcases were actually standard ballot containers. Georgia elections officials quickly shot down claims that votes were being manufactured. WSB-TV in Atlanta also obtained hours of security video that showed nothing wrong with the vote counting in that area. Here again is President Trump. The bottom line is when you add it all up and then you start adding, you know, 300,000 fake ballots. Uh, But Brad, uh, if you took the minimum numbers were were many, many times above the 11,779 And many of those numbers are certified, or they will be certified, but they are certified. Those are numbers that are there that exist. What's so striking during this phone call is how Trump can be alternately amenable, accusatory, friendly, cajoling, demeaning. And at one point, he even sounds like he's pleading. So what are we going to do here, folks? I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. About 13 minutes into the phone call, the president's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, speaks up. So, Mr. President, if I, if I might be able to jump in and I'll give Brad a chance, uh, uh, Mr. Secretary, uh, one of the, obviously uh, there, is, uh, there are allegations where we believe that uh, not every vote or fair vote and legal vote was, was counted. Uh, and that's at odds with the representation from the Secretary of State's office. Trump's campaign had a pending lawsuit against the Secretary of State's office over the election. But in some of these areas where there seems to be uh, a difference uh, of where the facts uh, seem to lead. And so, Mr. Secretary, I was uh, hopeful that, you know, in a spirit of uh, cooperation and compromises, there, there's something that uh, we can at least have a discussion to look at some of these allegations uh, to, uh, to find a, a path forward that's less litigious. Raffensperger addresses the president for the first time. Well, uh, I've listened to what you know, the president has just said. President Trump, uh, we've had several lawsuits and we've had to respond in court to the lawsuits and the contentions. Uh, we don't agree that you have one. Raffensperger tells Trump that the recounts show essentially the same results. He lost. In November 2021, Raffensperger's book, Integrity Counts, was published. It includes a transcript of the entire January 2nd phone call. After certain passages, the secretary wrote down his observations as to what had just transpired during the call. It's not the same as court testimony, but I'm sure when Raffensperger testified before the special grand jury on June 2nd, Fulton County prosecutors had his book close at hand. 
Raffensperger wrote in his book that after hearing Trump say he had won Georgia by a substantial margin, he decided to make it very clear that he disagreed. And despite the secretary's pushback, Trump wasn't buying it. At all. Because what's the difference between winning the election by two, two votes and winning it by a half a million votes? I think right. he probably did win it by a half a million. That's quite a statement saying that the official vote tally was off by hundreds of thousands of votes. The president then refers to what he plans to say at a rally he's headlining two nights later in Rome, Georgia. That's on behalf of Senators David Perdue and Kelly Loeffler, who were facing, and would ultimately lose, runoff elections. The people of Georgia are angry. And these numbers are going to be repeated on Monday night. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, that you've recalculated. In his book, Raffensperger didn't mince words. He wrote that he understood as well as anyone that people are angry because of the disinformation the president and his team had fed to the people of Georgia. He also wrote, quote, For the office of the Secretary of State to recalculate, we would somehow have to fudge the numbers. The president was asking me to do something that I knew was wrong, and I was not going to do that. This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, an air freshener can make your car smell like paradise. A drive to Daytona Beach will actually get you there. Beach on. Plan your trip today at DaytonaBeach.com. Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents hip hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. On the phone call, the secretary left no doubt he was digging in his heels to the President of the United States. Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. Uh, we, we talked to the congressmen, and they were surprised. But they, uh, I guess there was a person named Mr. Raynard that came to these meetings and presented data. And he said that there was dead people. I believe it was upward of 5,000. The actual number were two. Two. Two people that were dead that voted. And so that's wrong. Trump returns to the 62-year-old election worker at State Farm Arena. Let's face it, Brad. I mean, uh, they did it in slow motion replay magnified, right? She stuffed the ballot boxes. They were stuffed like nobody's ever seen them stuffed before. She stuffed the ballot. Each, each ballot went three times. They were showing, here's ballot number one. Here it is a second time, third time. Next ballot. Trump and Raffensperger then have this exchange. For some reason, they put it in three times, each ballot. And I don't know why, but, you know, why? I don't know why three times. Why not five times, right? But, uh, yeah, go ahead. You're, you're talking about uh, the State Farm video. And I think it's extremely unfortunate that Rudy Giuliani or his people, they sliced and diced that video and took it out of context. So the next day, we brought in WSB TV, and we let them show see the full run of tape. And what you'll see, the events that transpired are nowhere near what was, pro was uh, projected. Trump repeats his claim that the poll worker put each of the 18,000 ballots through the machines three times. And Raffensperger jumps in again. 
president, they did not put that. We we can we did an audit of that and we proved conclusively that they were not scanned three times. Raffensperger then tells the president he can send him a link to the WSB TV report about the incident, but Trump is not interested. I don't care about a link. I don't need it. Trump and his lawyer Cleta Mitchell continue to discount what Raffensperger is telling them about what happened at State Farm Arena. When Ryan Germany, the Secretary of State's lawyer, jumps in, Trump is dismissive. We had our, this is Ryan Germany, we had our law enforcement officers talk to everyone uh, who, was, who was there after that event came to light. Uh, the GBI was with them as well as um, FBI agents. Um, well, there's, there's no way they could find, then they're incompetent. They're, they're either dishonest well, they or find? incompetent, okay? There's only two answers, dishonesty or incompetence. There's just no way. Look, there's no way. Cleta Mitchell returns to the number of voters who supposedly registered to vote in Georgia even though they'd moved out of state. She says there were about 4,500. Germany shoots that down, too. We've been going through each of those as well, and, and, and those numbers that, that we got um, that Ms. Mitchell was just saying, they're not accurate. Everyone we've been through are people that lived in Georgia, moved to a different state, but then moved back to Georgia legitimately. And in, and in many cases... Really? How many people do that? So you mean they moved out and then they said, out of hell with it, I'll move back in. You know, it doesn't sound like a very normal... You mean they moved out and what, they missed it so much that they wanted to move back in? <laughs> you know, it's like, it's crazy. Well, and they, this is, they moved back in years ago. This was not like something just before the election. So there's something about that data that it's just not accurate. Trump continues to push back. I won this election by hundreds of thousands of votes. There's no way I lost Georgia. There's no way. We won by hundreds of thousands of votes. I'm just going by small numbers. When you add them up, they're many times the 11,000. But but I won that state by hundreds of thousands of votes. Trump says he understands ballots are being shredded in Fulton County. Again, Germany tells him that's not true. That leads to this exchange between the president and Raffensperger. Mr. President, the problem uh, you have with social media, they can, people can say anything. No, I, no, this isn't social media. This is Trump media. It's not social media. It's, it's, it's really not. It's not social media. I don't care about social media. I couldn't care less. Social media is big tech. Big tech is on your side, you know. I don't even know why you have a side, because you should want to have an accurate election. And you're a Republican. We believe that we do have an accurate election. No, I no, you don't. No, no, you don't. You don't have. You don't have. Not even close. You got. You're off by hundreds of thousands of votes. Trump then brings up what he incorrectly calls a consent decree. It's a consent decree. It's a disaster. It's actually a court settlement over Georgia's absentee ballot verification process, and it does two things. First, it requires elections officials to check with their co-workers before rejecting an absentee ballot because the voter's signature does not appear to match the signature on the voter's registration. Second, it requires election workers to quickly notify voters when their ballots are being rejected. That gives people a chance to verify their identities and have their votes counted. Critics like Donald Trump say the settlement changed Georgia's election law and led to unverified absentee ballots being cast and many have incorrectly attributed the agreement to Governor Brian Kemp and his Democratic arch-rival Stacey Abrams. The parties involved were Raffensperger, the State Election Board, the Gwinnett County Elections Board, and the Democratic Party of Georgia. And state election data shows that the settlement did little to change the rejection rate for absentee ballots. 
In fact, about 0.2% of absentee ballots were rejected in 2020 because of signature problems, roughly the same as the previous two general elections. Fulton County, look, Stacy, in my opinion, Stacy is as dishonest as they come. She has outplayed you at every heart, at, at everything. And they're going around playing you and laughing at you behind your back, Brad. Whether you know it or not, they're laughing at you. And you've taken a state that's a Republican state, and you've made it almost impossible for a Republican to win because of cheating, because they cheated like nobody's ever cheated before. In Integrity Counts, Raffensperger wrote, quote, President Trump is now turning to ridicule, perhaps thinking a shot at my ego will persuade me to do something that I knew wasn't right and had no power to do. What the president says next is viewed by some legal experts to be an attempt to intimidate or influence Raffensperger, that it is, in essence, a crime. And you're going to find that they are, which is totally illegal. It's, it's, it's more illegal for you than it is for them, because you know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a, you know, that's a criminal, that's a criminal offense. And, and you, know, you can't let that happen. That's, that's a big risk to you and to Ryan, your lawyers. That's a big risk. In his book, Raffensperger wrote, and I quote, Now President Trump is using what he believes is the power of his position to threaten Ryan and me with prosecution if we don't do what he tells us to do. It was nothing but an attempt at manipulation. Later on the phone call, Trump makes this now well-publicized plea. In his book, Raffensperger wrote, The president is now directly telling us what he wants, the exact number of votes he needs to win Georgia. All I want to do is this. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. And flipping the state is a great testament to our country because, you know, there's, there's, there's just a, it's a testament that they can admit to a mistake or Whatever you want to call it, if it was a mistake, I don't know. A lot of people think it wasn't a mistake. It was much more uh, criminal than that. But it's a big problem in Georgia, and it's, it's not a problem that's going away. I mean, you know, it's not a problem that's going away. Trump then lets Raffensperger know he'd seen him on Fox News that morning. I don't know. Look, Brad, I got to get, I have to find 12,000 votes, and I have them times a lot. And therefore, I won the state. That's before we go to the next step, which is in the process of right now, you know. And I watched you this morning and you said, uh, well, there was no criminality. But I, I mean, all of this stuff is, is very dangerous stuff. It's, when you talk about no criminality, I think it's very dangerous for you to say that. President Trump is on the verge of exasperation. He turns his attention to Germany. Why don't you want to find this, Ryan? What's wrong with you? I heard, the, I heard your lawyer is very difficult, actually, but I'm sure you're a good lawyer. You have a nice last name. You have a nice last name? But I'm just curious, why, wouldn't, why, why do you keep fighting this thing? It just doesn't make sense. We're way over the 17,779, right? By now, the president can see he's not getting what he wants, and it looks like he's ready to end the call. But your numbers aren't right. They're really wrong. And they're really wrong, Brad. And, and I know this phone call is going nowhere other than, other than ultimately, you know, it, look, ultimately, I win, okay? 
because but, Mr. Secretary, Mr. you guys President, are so wrong, and you've treated this, you've treated the population of Georgia so badly. Atlanta lawyer Kurt Hilbert, who represents the president, is also on the call. He says more than 24,000 votes were counted illegally. He asks, what about reaching a compromise? Give us access to the Secretary of State's registered voter IDs and its registrations. But Germany says the 24,000 number is inaccurate, and he'd be fine with showing the president's lawyers why it's not right. Hilbert says his team had sent in repeated requests for the information. So it stands to reason that if the information is not forthcoming, forthcoming, there's something to hide. That's the problem that we have. Well, that's not the case. There are things that, that you guys are, are entitled to get, and there's things that under law we are not allowed to give out. Well, you have to. Well, that's, under that's law, you're not allowed to give faulty election results, okay? You're not allowed to do that, and that's what you've done. This is a faulty election result. And honestly, this should go very fast. You should meet tomorrow because you have a big election, election coming up, and because of what you've done to the president, you know, the people of, of uh, Georgia know that this was a scam, and because of what you've done to the president, a lot of people aren't going out to vote. And a lot of Republicans are going to vote negative because they hate what you did to the president. Okay? They hate it. And they're going to vote. And if you would be respected, if really respected, if this thing could be straightened out before the election. What the president said turned out to be prescient. Many angry Trump supporters didn't show up to the polls for the Senate runoffs. They hate the state. They hate the governor. And they hate the Secretary of State. I will tell you that right now. And the only people that like you are people that will never vote for you. You know that, Brad, right? And Brad, we just want the truth. It's simple. And uh, and everyone's going to look very good if the truth comes out. It's okay. It takes a little while. But let the truth come out. And the, tr the real truth is I won by 400,000 votes, at least. That's the real truth. The call ends less than a minute later. Okay, thank you, Brad. Thank you, Ryan. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Bye. So that's the call that sets the stage for this historic proceeding. I wonder just how many times the special grand jury will listen to it. More than once, I'm sure. It might as well be Exhibit A for the investigation. No doubt. Raffensperger was the first witness the special grand jury heard from in early June. He testified for about five hours after receiving his subpoena a few weeks earlier. We don't know what was discussed. These proceedings, as we mentioned earlier, are secret. But we do know that the special grand jury subpoenaed from the Secretary of State's office any documents that, quote, memorialize the events surrounding the Trump phone call, as well as any writing that explains Trump's conduct during the call. They also asked for a phone log of calls between members of the Secretary of State's office, President Trump, or his aides. The grand jury subpoenaed five of Raffensperger's current and former aides from the Secretary of State's office, among them Ryan Germany. And Raffensperger's wife, Tricia, also dropped by the Fulton Courthouse the day her husband testified. She spoke to the grand jury, too. It's worth noting that the January 2nd phone call is not the only thing being looked at by the grand jury. There's the testimony Rudy Giuliani gave on behalf of the Trump campaign to a state Senate committee. And there are more phone calls. Let's go through those other phone calls. On November 13th, 10 days after the election, Senator Lindsey Graham of South Carolina calls Raffensperger. Graham is a key ally of Trump's and, at the time, was chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee. In interviews, 
Raffensperger said the senator was questioning the validity of absentee ballots and asking about the state's signature matching law. To our knowledge, the call wasn't recorded. But here's Raffensperger in an interview with CNN explaining what he understood Graham was suggesting, whether he could toss all mail-in ballots in counties with high rates of non-matching signatures. He asked if the ballots could be matched back to the voters, and then I I got the sense it implied that uh, then you could throw those out. uh, And he really would look at the counties with the highest um, frequent error of uh, signatures. So that's that's the impression that I got. Well, it's just an implication that uh, uh, look hard and see how many ballots you could throw out. Graham's spokesman later called the secretary's take on the phone call ridiculous. He said the senator was simply asking Raffensperger how the signature verification process worked and was not asking him to toss legally cast ballots. This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word. AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. On December 23rd, 2020, Trump calls Francis Watson, the lead investigator for the Secretary of State's office. It's pretty amazing that the President of the United States would be making such a phone call. Hello, Francis. How are you? Uh, hello, Mr. President. I am actually doing very well. Good. Well, you have a big fan in our our great chief, right? Chief of Staff, Mark. I did. Yeah. I, I, I met him. I, um... It was a pleasure to meet him yesterday. It absolutely floored Watson. She wasn't exactly well-known outside of the Secretary of State's office. But yes, she had met Trump's chief of staff, Mark Meadows, the previous day, when he came to town to check on an audit of ballots being conducted in Cobb County. I just wanted to thank you for everything. You told me you've been great. And, you know, look, this country is counting on it because it's very interesting. So I won Florida in a record number, Ohio in a record, Texas in a record, Alabama by 40, 40 points. And I won everything but Georgia. And, you know, and I won Georgia, I know that by a lot, and the people know it. And, uh, you know, something happened there. I mean, something bad happened. The president tells Watson to take a long, hard look at signatures on ballots in Fulton County. But if you go back two years, and if you can get to Fulton, you're going to find things that are going to be unbelievable, the the dishonesty that that we've heard from. Right. You know, just good sources, really good sources. But Fulton... Fulton is the mother load, you know, as the expression goes, Fulton County. Right. And, uh, well, Mr. President. I don't want to say, Right. I appreciate your comments, and, and I, I, I can assure you that our team and the GBI, that we're only interested right. in, in, in the truth and, and finding, right. you know, finding the information that's based on the facts. And, you know, right. we, we, we've been working um, 12, 16-hour days, and... Right. You know, we're, we're working through it, and um, so I can assure you that, and 
Um, I, I do appreciate you, Colin. I know that you're a very, very busy, very important uh, man, and and I'm very honored that that you called. And you know, and quite quite um, quite frankly, I, I I'm shocked and that, that you you would take time to to do that. The president then uses flattery on the investigator. Mark asked me to do it. He, he thinks you're great. And, you know, it's just you have the most important job in the country right now because if we win Georgia, first of all, if we win, you're going to have two wins. So you're not, they're not going to win right now. You know, they're down because the people of Georgia are so angry at what happened to me. They know I won. won by hundreds of thousands of votes. It wasn't close. Trump reminds Watson again he won votes in neighboring states by record numbers. When the right answer comes out, you'll be praised. I mean, I don't know why, you know, they, they made it so hard. They, they will be praised. People will say, great, because that's what it's about, that ability to check and to, and to make it right. Because everyone knows it's wrong. There's just no way. So anyway, but whatever you can do, Francis, it would be, uh, it's a great thing. It's an important thing for the country. They finish up this way. You just take your call anytime you need. If you need help, call me. But but uh, Mark has put the number. But uh, Mark appreciates it. But I wanted to call you. Thank you. But th- th- thank you so much, and you have a good evening. Thanks, Francis. Take right. care. Have a good Christmas and everything. So up. Uh, thanks, Francis. Thanks. Thank you. Bye bye. Appreciate it. Bye. <laughs> Watson was scheduled to appear before the special grand jury in June. So was Gabe Sterling, the Raffensperger deputy who had pleaded with Trump and his supporters to stop threatening elections workers. There are at least two other phone calls that are of interest to the investigation. On December 8th, Trump had a phone conversation with Chris Carr, Georgia's attorney general. The president warned Carr not to rally other Republicans against a lawsuit filed by the Texas attorney general. The suit sought to delay the deadline for the certification of presidential electors in Georgia, Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Wisconsin. It failed. Carr, by the way, has been served a subpoena to appear before the special purpose grand jury on June 21st. Three days earlier, Trump had called Governor Kemp, urging him to convene a special session of the General Assembly to overturn the election results. Kemp tells the president he was opposed to the idea. He says he was following the law by certifying the election results. Needless to say, Trump was far from thrilled. Here's how he summarized the conversation during a rally in Perry, Georgia, last fall. He starts off by saying he had aides call Kemp and ask for the special session, but they came back and told him the governor wouldn't do it. So when these guys, they're young and nice guys, they came back, they said, he won't do it. So I said, let me handle it. This is easy. You know, I got this guy elected. One thing has nothing to do with the other. One thing has nothing. There's no quid pro quo. Here's Trump recounting his call to the governor. Note that he says special election when he's really referring to a special session. I said, Brian, listen, you know, you have a big election integrity problem in Georgia. I hope you can help us out and call a special election and let's get to the bottom of it for the good of the country. Let's get to the bottom of it for the good of your state. Let's go election integrity. What could be better than that? Sir, I'm sorry. I I cannot do that. I I said, you cannot do that. And that's why, uh, let me tell you, this guy's a disaster. He's a disaster. During his speech, Trump didn't miss the chance to take aim once more at Raffensperger. He calls him incompetent and strange. And after repeating many of the claims he made during his January 2nd call with Raffensperger, Trump says this. I recently sent the Georgia Secretary of State 
a letter outlining the glaring issue, and I've never gotten a response. I hear somebody said, they're looking at me for questioning the election. That'll be an interesting one. Let's go after Trump because he's questioning the election. You know what? If I won or lost, all I want is a fair election. That's all you want. But I have no doubt that we won and we won big. Next on Breakdown, what exactly is a special purpose grand jury? And who is Fonnie Willis, the district attorney going toe to toe with a powerful former president? Um, I don't want you to think I'm naive or I don't get the gravity of the situation. I get the gravity of it. I understand it's very interesting to um, people, this case, I get it. But it's just like every other case. You just have to do your due diligence. We're gonna talk to the witnesses. We're gonna get the documents. We're gonna read it. I'm old school. As always, thank you so much for listening. We will continue to drop an episode every week over the next few weeks. Then we'll come back from time to time whenever major news breaks in this story. And I think you can count on that happening. You can follow our daily coverage on our website, AJC.com. And if you really wanna support local journalism, particularly our journalism, please subscribe to the AJC. Be safe and take care. Until next time, I'm Bill Rankin. And I'm Tamar Hallerman. This is Breakdown from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Ocean breeze, tropical beach, pina colada. You can buy an air freshener to make your car smell like you're in an oceanside paradise. Or, better yet, you can point your car toward Daytona Beach and come experience the real thing. Visit DaytonaBeach.com to discover all there is to see, do, and enjoy along the world's most famous beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Beach on.